What's up, everybody? Welcome to Nerdy 430, the podcast where uh, my buddy Tim and I talk about some nerdy stuff that we saw recently. My name is Kevin Bauer, and I'm thrilled to say that we have a guest with us today. We're talking about Mortal Kombat, the new reboot movie for 2021. So we knew we had to bring in an expert in combat, an expert in one-to-one showdowns, duels to the death. The best person we could find is fencing expert John Hudson. John, how you doing? Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here as your fighting expert. I obviously come from a fencing background, so my fighting usually involves um, losing to teenagers who are better at it than me because their parents can pay for more lessons than I can. But really, thank you for having me on because this legitimizes fencing as a top-tier fighting martial art on the same tier as MMA. You having me on to talk about Mortal Kombat uh, proves that fencing is cool and not just for French people uh, dressed in straight jackets, wielding flimsy little swords. Well, I want to be very clear that I did not use the word cool. Uh (laughs) John, you are the most proficient combatant that we know. And as someone who stepped into the physical arena of competitive fighting, you're our expert, man. We're we're leaning on you for your expertise when it comes to the accuracy of these Mortal Kombat fight scenes. (laughs) In case you didn't see the movie, the loose plot of Mortal Kombat is that a group of warriors from Earth who all bear this brand of a dragon need to defend Earth from an invading force, the realm known as the Outworld. Turns out Earth has lost nine of the past 10 tournaments, or nine of the past tournaments in general. And if Earth loses 10 tournaments in a row, the Outworld gets to invade. Uh, So the fate of the Earth is being determined by the looming Mortal Kombat. I want to ask the very first question to both of you, because uh, this is a movie where we talk about the concept of Mortal Kombat being this giant tournament that we're building to. In your opinions, did we even see Mortal Kombat in this movie? Was there ever the tournament? No, there was no Mortal Kombat in this movie. It, did, it, it by definition, did not happen. This was all the setup to something, to a tournament that we never see. We <laughs> never get to the Mortal Kombat. There's only like one thing the Mortal Kombat movie needs to do, and that's play the theme song and show us Mortal Kombat, and they did neither. It's crazy. Insane. This is this is the best way they could have gone about it, in my opinion. If they decided they were not going to do Mortal Kombat and they gave us like a great placeholder. Like this is the way to do it, right? If you're not, which we spent so much time dissecting like the tournament as a format in the previous episode. How do we make it unique? No tournament. <laughs> I didn't even think it was possible. This kind of out of the box thinking is unparalleled in the Mortal Kombat industry. It's wild. And I think it worked. Uh, I thought I thought it was great. It's like it basically accomplished everything we wanted from a good tournament arc, right? Each character had their own little arc. They had their own little rival in this tournament. So we got the feel of Mortal Kombat without ever actually getting the Mortal Kombat. Uh, pretty cool. But we're left out. We're left at the end of this movie having no idea what's going to happen in the actual tournament. So we're told in both the 1995 movie and this one, we're told that there are other realms. They never make an appearance. We never see anybody from any of the other realms. It's just Earth and the Outworld. Um, it would be like if the only teams in the NBA that we ever get to see 
are the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. It's just nobody else. There's apparently other teams. We don't see them here. Uh, we are left off. Like the movie has the outworld trying to cheat and get the jump on Earth's team a month, 30 days before Mortal Kombat is set to begin. They just want to kill their team so they have no competition. Uh, Earth ends up flipping the script on them, killing all the Outworld's team. Ostensibly, that couldn't have taken more than about three days. So 27 days from now, there's going to be Mortal Kombat. Did you get the sense from the end of the movie that like that's what's going to happen in the sequel? Or did you get the sense, like I did, that they just forgot that a tournament was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, it didn't seem that urgent. And it, it seemed like, um, what's his name, the lead, who at the, for the first like half hour of the movie, I thought was uh, Johnny Cage, um, just by nature of being like a washed up fighter. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to Hollywood. They're like, what are you going to Hollywood for? And he's like... Not what? Who? So he just he's just going to go check out some movies, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The fighting Uh, is not working out for him. A friend of his hit him up with the PA gig. He figured he'd take it. (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys think of Cole Young as a character? John, are you familiar with the did you are you familiar with the previous movie? I don't remember any Cole Young's in any of these action movies, even though it does sound like a Mortal Kombat name as it it's just nondescript and could be just referred to referring to anybody. Uh, it's the most generic and boring name maybe I've ever heard in any movie ever. Uh, but what do you think <laughs> of Cole Young as a character? Yeah, I was going to say that the leads had almost no chemistry. And by the leads, I mean like Kano, Sonya, and Cole Young. Completely like blank NPCs just bouncing off each other. Um, everyone else was really good. Like I thought uh, Sub-Zero and uh, Scorpion and Raiden and all of them, they were, they were very compelling. But Cole Young, I mean, very unmemorable. Unrem- a memorable face, unmemorable performance. Yeah. He, I mean, dude spent the entire movie getting his ass kicked. The entire (laughs) movie. I thought he was an okay actor until the woman playing Sonya Blade showed up. And I was like, whoa, she is blowing him off the screen with her, (laughs) (laughs) with her mediocre delivery of these like average lines. This Kano dude was stealing the show for me. I don't know why he's the only one that's allowed to have fun in this entire movie. But he was. He was like the only character that was like allowed to make jokes or goof off or or show any personality whatsoever. He got all the quips, all of them. We talked in the in the previous movie pod about the lack of like superpowers, the lack of like crazy stuff. Kevin, was your superpower itch scratched by the introduction of what is it? Arcana power? Did you did you feel satisfied with the camp level of Arcana power? I loved it. I honestly, I was so big on that. It's one of those things where I feel like superpowers are kind of a hurdle now where you want to have superpowers in your show, your movie, whatever. You want to waste as little time as possible explaining how people got these powers. You just want to get to the powers. I'm all about if you have this like dragon brand, you get a power. That's it. That's all we need to know. Super fucking into it. The Sub-Zero effects looked incredible. Like the special effects in this movie were so good. There's a really nice touch early on where when he was first showing that he could like grow ice crystals out of his hand, you see the like blistering and the blood on his hand. Just a delightful little touch. Oh, so cool. Yeah. When the crystals are slowly growing out of his hand. And I feel like when you get the special effects down on the micro level, 
it just makes everything look better on the macro level. And you're also seeing this villain who like has over time, over a lot of time, somehow centuries, has now mastered his ice ability from the point where it used to hurt him to now it doesn't. Now he's just like manipulating. Now he's like hydrokinetic. I don't even know what it was. You know, in the previous movie, it just felt like the guy made it things cold. And in this movie, he's like controlling the ice and manipulating stuff. And it was aw- ice powers seem like the best power to me it's the best in this show i mean there's people there there's like there's like a fire guy who throws a fireball and does like a fire dragon and that's cool and there's a lightning guy who i guess like lightning teleports but this ice seems like the most badass badass power there is maybe the best element in this in this whole movie definitely in this portrayal of it i I thought the fire dragon was cool courtesy of uh lewis kang uh he had a cool (laughs) Fire dragon fatality, which again, these nice little touches from the game of when he got that kill, you heard the announcer say like fatality, which it's it's what you want to hear. The, the bit when uh, Kano kills the, the mini Godzilla and says Kano wins, like, come on, that's just fan service. I'm not even a huge fan of the game and I loved it. It is a great touch, man. I so I, I got one real quick. I want to run down some of the superpowers we saw. Uh, Reptile is in this movie. No longer a piece of CGI from 1997. It's now a piece of CGI from 2011, and it has the ability to go invisible. <laughs> you disappointed that he's not an actual guy? And in the first movie, we get an actual green dude. I wanted a green dude. I'm kind of disappointed it's not a green dude, only because there's no reason the entire my only qualm with that fight with reptile is that there's no reason this thing wouldn't be just devouring people. Why is mm-hmm. he wasting time hitting people? ostensibly with punches or like with his tail when he could just bite someone's shoulder off he melted the knife with his acid mouth yeah come on you're not gonna use that more why isn't he just standing in the center of the room spinning around like a kid pretending to be a helicopter and just sending acid spit everywhere it'd be the best offensive attack this dude has it's crazy like he's so powerful think about how strong animals are relative to their size compared to humans if you blow an iguana up to the size that reptile was that thing is super fucking strong will kill you absolutely so i was doing a a quick rundown of the powers and stuff you know Liu kang had the fire powers uh no Liu kang had that hat the like captain america shield for a hat um no, sorry, that was Kung Lao. I'm getting people. Kung Lao, cousin, yeah. There's that. The hat, great addition. Is that a good superpower? How is your How is your power a hat? Could he psychically control a hat? Also, what if someone destroys the hat? Then he just has no powers now. He's fucked. If somebody this destroys is what the I want to see in the sequel. Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but I want to see him have to be in like a fish out of water situation where he has to like go undercover in the modern world, and he has a baseball hat that's like really high strength, <laughs> and he has to like use that a little bit. <laughs> his thing is just that it's no matter what hat he has hat kinesis yeah yeah he gets one of the little propeller ones and he like chops the guy's head off with it oh my I god i take it back ice and water is not the most powerful element in this movie it's headwear hat good <laughs> hat powers he gets a top hat and it just ejects upwards and just gets <laughs> incredibly tall man okay i want to kick us off with some segments when did you know because we're talking characters. Sure. And I got a question for you guys. John, when did you know that the old man at the beginning was Scorpion? Um, at the end of the movie. 
Really? Really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's just like kind of some older guy. Because again, I don't have a lot of um, context for these characters. I, I knew the name Scorpion, but I didn't know enough about him to be like, like to connect the dots. And once I saw him with the kind of the dagger on the chain and what really got it for me was when he said his classic line, get over here. Um, at the end of the movie, I'm like, oh, that's from the that's he says that in the game. <laughs> I remember non sequitur, but I remember seeing this like video that like Vanity Fair did or something like that, and they had they did every actor they'd interviewed over the course of the year deliver the line. Uh, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then they like made a supercut of every like famous actor they interviewed delivering that line to camera, like just that line. And it was awesome. And it was just a real display of everyone's acting ability. I would love to see the exact same thing with A-list celebrities all delivering the line. Get over here for Scorpion. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would really reveal who the who the real A-listers are and who the real talent is in the industry. Amazing line. I needed to hear it. And I'm so glad we got to hear it. I'd say I noticed like. The second he tied that thing on the rope and there's that shot, an awesome shot up top where he's fighting Sub-Zero like early, early on and he throws the knife at him and it it hits the tree like right next to him. Oh, man, that shot was so cool. The second I saw that, I was like, dang, this dude's Scorpion. In my head, I was calling him Reptile because I still get Scorpion and Reptile confused. But I was like, oh, but that's the guy. That's the get over here guy for sure. That is so understandable that you would get <laughs> these different, like the different ninja fighters in the game confused. I think this movie is where I definitively learned the difference between all of them. Mm-hmm. Likewise. Yeah, it all makes sense now. Man, there was that shot in the, uh, there was that shot in the very beginning too, where he, with the dagger on the chain, he like threw it, he like looped it off of his back. He like threw it behind him, but then got it to go ahead of him. And it actually took the arc of like a scorpion sting. I thought that was amazing. That was such a cool touch. That's pretty gnarly. That's definitely one of my favorite ninja weapons is blade on the end of a chain. It's so cool. It's so good. It's perfect for all these like big CGI fight scenes. It's awesome. It's it's so cool. Uh, and the fighting in this was awesome. To speak from, again, my uh, real world combat expertise, as someone who fences strictly with a blade you hold in your hand if i were to fence someone who had in his other hand a dagger on a chain i i'd be screwed i wouldn't know what to do and i honestly would not be surprised if that happens because most of the people if i fence again are type a teenagers from park slope and i'm sure one of their dads was a producer on this movie wait so john i want to ask from a from a again a one-on-one combat perspective how much i know in fencing you wear the masks right Mm -hmm. so can you like to what degree can you kind of like see your opponent's eyes or gauge where they're at based on their body language? Can you kind of get in their head a little bit? You totally can. And one of the parts I love about fencing um, is that there's a tradition of like screaming after you score a touch of like, not even if it's the winning touch of just like you score a point, you go up, like say you're down three zero early and you take it back to four three, you score a touch and you're like, and like you're in this conference hall and you everyone can hear you and it's really pretty badass i even heard at one tournament when i was younger some kid was saying all the like halo 3 like kill streak announcements (laughs) like he scored four touches in a row and was like 
Kill-tacular! Um, I wouldn't do that. I think that's very tacky. Uh, but there is a lot of that. There's a lot of that posturing and, like, getting in the other person's head through your body language, through your expression of confidence. And if you're not showing that, like, you, you, you can smell someone's lack of uh, confidence in themselves from the way they're fencing, the way the momentum of a bout is going. And then once you smell it, you step on the throat. Amazing. John, oh another God. professional fighting question. In your expertise, where does attacking someone before the tournament fall? Is it the kind of thing that's <laughs> is it the kind of thing that's frowned upon, but like wink wink, it's actually how things go? Are you at a disadvantage if you aren't attacking your opponent before the match starts? What kind of pre-tournament mm-hmm. shenanigans do you guys normally get up to? Yeah, I mean, my pre-tournament shenanigans usually involve, say, like, uh, hitting on the mother of the teenager I'm about to fence, um, just to establish kind of a paternal dominance in that way and make them feel like, well, they to then beat me would be very Oedipal for them, and that would be kind of cringe, and teens hate being cringe, so that's kind of my strategy. Obviously, long tradition of this, Nancy Kerrigan um, got, got a fencing that icon. Way. Yeah, uh, fencing I mean, icon. Nancy it's Kerrigan. the only other sport that uses blades, so ice skating is pretty close. But uh, yeah, look, I'd have to say it was considered poor form. Um, on the flip side, though, sometimes you have people who are just too nice. They're like too f- familiar with you, you know, when you're at about and they're like trying to be like, oh, hey, man. Oh, like we fenced last week. That was a tough one. And you're just like. Get out of my face, dude. I'm trying to get in the zone so I can kick your ass. One one last professional fighting question, and then we got to do the rest of these segments. John, which of these characters would you want to fight? You have to fight one of them. Mm-hmm. Which one's the easiest out? Oh, in there a is a correct answer here. <laughs> it, it might be the hat guy. It might be Mr. Hat Kung Lao. Really? Maybe Cole Young, maybe Cole Young, just because I don't think I think he's got uh, no sauce. Um, He's got no X factor that would make me afraid of him. Kevin, what's your obvious answer? Oh, Cole Young, dude. Cole Young gets his ass kicked this entire movie. We were going through when uh, when he finally gets his arcana, when he's fighting Goro and he gets the like armor come up. I was like, okay. Okay, let's see where this goes. And then it turns out that he just has the Black Panther ability where it stores up all the hits he takes. And it's like, oh my God, his superpower is that he gets his ass kicked so much. (laughs) His superpower accommodated, maybe that's what all these do is they like detect your weakness and they make it your strength because he Mm. just gets his shit rocked. Yeah, that's the superpower you give to the shittiest guy on your team of like, look, man, you're going to get beat up anyway. You might as well take this and see what you can do with it. Yeah. It doesn't pay off either, does it? It's not like he gets a big hit on Sub-Zero with this kinetic power, right? It's just some weird armor that it looks like he can't get rid of. I don't know why they made that choice. It doesn't go away. He's just in this weird armor now. (laughs) This rhino skin, yeah. He just hides it under his clothes. (laughs) Beach season for him is going to be totally different now. (laughs) When did you know that Shang Tsung, you know, Shang Shang Tsung, when did you know that he was good at calculations? <laughs> because he was Lao in the Dark Knight. Was He's he the really? same actor. No shit. Yeah. What? He's Lao, the guy, the guy um, Batman kidnaps, who's like on the yes, yes. on the video when Joker is like 
the man on the screen. Yeah, that's same guy. That's same guy. Awesome. It's a, that took me until the end of the movie to realize. I'm like, this guy looks familiar. Oh my god. Yeah, I had no idea. I was mostly, I was like, he had big shoes to fill because the Shang Tsung role was so good in the 1995 movie. That dude was on fire. I honestly thought he did a good job. I thought he, Mm -hmm. uh, I thought honestly they could have, I think the original actor is still age appropriate for the role. I was kind of hoping they were just going to directly bring him back. But if they couldn't get him, I'm glad they got this guy. I got one for you. And this kind of ties back into how I opened things up. But when did you know that there wasn't going to be Mortal Kombat in this movie? (laughs) When did you realize? Did you check the timestamp of the movie like I did to realize we weren't going to see the tournament? Definitely. Once they got to the temple and it's like time to start your training. I was like, I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of movies so far. You're you're starting your training at the 75 minute mark. Like, what are we doing here? (laughs) <laughs> I was also worried we weren't going to get enough fighting. It, it ended up being okay. Like the last 40 minutes of this is just solid fighting. Mm-hmm. But once they were getting to the training montage, I'm like, we better not be wasting too much time with this training. Literally the least exciting part of any fighting movie is just training, slow train. We can't even, we don't even get a montage. We just get slow, slow fight scenes between these guys. And oh, the bad guys the show up like five minutes after they start training. Sub-Zero walks in like right away. Yeah. So wait, John, I want to hear your beef. What you got? So my beef is with Goro. Obviously, you talked about this last time. In the 1995 version, I looked up what he looked like. Looked very cool. Looked very like troll-y, right? And very like realistic. This guy looked like a friggin' orc from a video game. He was too orc-like. The Tolkien estate should be suing Mortal Kombat for making Goro look exactly like an orc and not enough like something unique to the Mortal Kombat universe. Yes, dude. He was so cool in the 1995 movie. Uh, I like you gotta. That's the kind of stuff I want to see a little bit more of. You gotta lean into your strengths. That was such a strength from the early one. I thought the CGI looked exactly like the Incredible Hulk. I was like, this yes. is this looks exactly like the Hulk. And it took me out of it. And I was so bummed a little bit. Of, I was disappointed. It's a good beef. I was very disappointed with Thank you. Gore. They did him dirty. We also, didn't, we also didn't get to see him punch like 80 people to the ground in a row, which I think is a mm-hmm. huge missed opportunity for the Mortal Kombat franchise. You got to keep that scene. I got a beef. Maybe the biggest beef of all already mentioned it. No theme song in this entire in this entire movie. Not a single theme. The whole Mortal Kombat is the theme song. It's absolutely nothing without the theme song. There's no point in having a movie if you're not going to play the theme song. I was worried we were going to get a remix of the theme song. I was worried we were going to have people like rapping over some like new, new, like, I don't even know, some new remixed version of the, the song. And I was like, no, I don't want that. I want the 8-bit original song. They didn't give us anything. They didn't give us any of it. It was devastating i can't i've i've never been so shocked or disappointed i'm reassessing my entire life after this (laughs) this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me so a few notes on that tim first i noticed during the final fight scene between scorpion and sub-zero the score took a lot of elements from the theme song that like da, 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 was just like that over and over again. And then over the credits, they had like their glitched out, like dubstepy version of it, which again was was lame. You got the guy shouting Mortal Kombat, which was cool. Here's how you fix it. You have one little Easter egg shot of someone's like walking through uh, like CD district. There's an arcade there. You see the back of an arcade box. You hear the soundtrack. 
you hear the theme song coming through the arcade box for like 15 seconds. That's it. Oh, that's such an upgrade. I'm all the way there for it. That would have solved it and they would have been able to move on without it. But honestly, how much better would this movie have been if at the beginning of just every fight scene, they just started playing the Mortal Kombat theme? Be campy about it. Who cares? Just do it. It's what we want. I can't believe they did. They. I can't believe this movie came out and we didn't get it. It's shocking it to me. because they did such a good job of that with the rest of the movie. They did such a good job balancing, yes. giving us like little hints of nods at the campiness of it, but leaning into it anyway. It's just kind of surprising they didn't go all the way for it on this. Honestly, my beef is that it's with Sub-Zero. So third act of the movie, I think generally first two acts of this movie, pretty good, like pretty good movie. And then I think it really stumbles in the third act uh, as I guess most movies do. But Sub-Zero uh, to get to um cole young he ices up like basically kidnaps and ices up his wife and his daughter i don't buy it sub-zero we're introduced to sub-zero the thing he does the thing that makes him who he is is that he murders families he doesn't care he doesn't take anybody hostage he's spent hundreds of years murdering families so i don't buy it when he gets a perfect perfectly good opportunity to murder people but he's not going to murder people I don't want it to happen. I want Cole Young to have to step in and defend them, but I don't buy that he just ices them up and doesn't murder them, especially when Cole Young's daughter is the continuation of the bloodline. She's the newest, last person in the bloodline, and he seems to not notice or care. And then you get this amazing aspect, if you're Sub-Zero, where before you kill Cole Young, you get to watch him see his dead wife and kid, which, like, if you're Sub-Zero, that's that's what you live for, man. That's why you're... That's the love of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. But instead, he's like... <laughs> and, and he doesn't even keep them alive so they can see him kill Cole Young. They're unconscious. So, like, no one's getting the kind of deep despair that I think fuels him. Yeah, killing killing family members in front of their loved ones is definitely what Sub-Zero plays for. I, it's shocking that he has no depth to his character at all right is he's the most one-dimensional character in the movie yeah. the one i'm the most excited to see he's really just a two-dimensional emotionless bad guy he just wants to kill scorpion the whole time and that's it and he doesn't care who he kills he just has to kill the scorpion why i don't know why i is it to be the best fighter is it because he if by doing this he proves something then that would explain why he doesn't want to actually like kill the girl or wouldn't have killed a baby. Right. Like they could have had something where he leaves the baby and is like, I'll come back when you're grown up and I'll whoop your ass then. Like, <laughs> I, I, like I, I don't know what he wants. He just he just a, he's just a guy who kills people. I don't know. I think I guess Scorpion killed the rest of Sub-Zero's clan, but then uh, Sub-Zero tried to kill Scorpion in defense. But then Scorpion wanted to come back and kill Sub-Zero in defense of his clan. Because at the end, uh, he says to Cole Young, like, basically, like, do this for the clan. And then uh, Cole Young, he says it. I thought this was kind of a funny detail. He says it to Cole Young in Japanese. We have never seen in the movie that Cole Young can speak Japanese. So I love the idea <laughs> that, like, his ancestor says this to him. And he's just like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what you said. <laughs> Who was that guy? Uh, on that point, it, I did think for a bit that Cole Young was not the ancestor, but the son of 
uh, Scorpion. And so when he, when Scorpion was like, protect my bloodline and then peace out, I'm like, that's your kid, dude. <laughs> like, give him a hug. But I'm like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, this is over years. Okay, never mind. I was also like, if we're going to do a new character, he has a daughter, right? The baby's a girl. We don't get a girl protagonist. We can't have a female protagonist in this thing. It's a then it's a daughter. I guess why is it a daughter? Because then she can marry somebody and then that's how you stay hidden because it's not the right name or something. I don't know. I don't I don't understand why we have a female daughter, but we don't get a female protagonist. I think I would have mm-hmm. been cool with it. I don't know why we can't have a female Mortal Kombat character who kicks ass. We got Sonya Blade, I guess, isn't a good example. Yeah, if you're but starting with a brand new character anyway. Why do you have to yeah. make him another just generic uh, dude? Yeah. Could end something Especially new there. one that sucks this much. So what are your thieves? What stole the movie for you? Okay. I'll say my thieves were all of the finishers and references that I don't think I understood. <laughs> I was scrolling through before this trying to check out like, oh, they were they were, it seems like they did a very good job in this movie of mapping the finishers for stuff like Jax. I remember that one where he just like head smashes somebody with his metal arms. That's cool. Kano rips the heart out of reptile and say like Kano goes into like Kano wins mm-hmm. and he rips the heart out like that's a finisher. I remember from it, even the hat, like the saw blade hat where he does that. I remember that from the video game. That was so cool when they did it. I was like, I don't know if I really buy this hat guy, this like Captain america ripoff and then he does the hat chainsaw to this girl instantly it's like oh cool we're gonna see what the wing girl has up her sleeves nah chainsaw hat immediately it was crazy i mean all those finishers and the fighting in general i mean that's my thief was just they they knew what we wanted they they kind of knew what we wanted we wanted the theme song and awesome fights and they gave us one of those things and they did it in spades on that note too i think they did a good job of when they came in for like the finisher fatality money shot, they framed it like the game. They like zoomed out, gave you a nice wide one. They've really made it look like um, the Mortal Kombat we know and love from back in the day. <laughs> you really did. There was a, they did a nice like fighting game traditional shot with uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero on the very end too. It was really cool to see. It reminded mm-hmm. me of when the Avengers movies would do kind of like splash page things with all the Avengers posed together like they would be in a comic book. It was just a really nice touch. I gotta say, my thief overall, just a little bit unconventional, my thief overall is Luke Hang's hair from the 1995 movie still, because even <laughs> though it wasn't in this movie, my beef is that it wasn't in this movie. My thief is that the entire time I was watching this movie, I was just remembering Luke Kang's hair from the 1995 movie <laughs> and wishing it was here. On that note, I loved his character design because he does look so like cheesy from an 80s video game with his like wristbands and bandana. Like everyone else looks kind of more modernized, but he's still got his um, like karate kid look going. Dude, he literally lives under a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I saw Liu Kang in this movie, I wished it was the guy from the 1995 movie. That dude was awesome. He was the best part of that movie. He had the cool hair. He was like a bigger, more jacked guy, which I guess they modernized him by like making picking like a smaller dude who was, you know, ripped out of his mind. Uh, absolute, that dude was absolutely shredded in this movie uh, <laughs> to a ridiculous extent where I was just like, OK, we get it. There's just a whole yeah. shot of him just like flexing a lot. I was like, all right, let's let's move on. We, we understand the same way uh, old Liu Kang did. Dude, Liu Kang's physique in this movie was like he was shredded. 
but it wasn't Men's Health Magazine shredded. It wasn't like shredded for show. Like you go to an Equinox and you got shredded. It was like fucking martial arts shredded. This dude looked like he could kick your ass. This dude looked like he hasn't seen a carb. Just never. <laughs> never even looked at a piece of bread. He's just been under this rock eating like whatever bugs and like scraps of meat he can find. <laughs> well, he, he got the training for this movie, having looked at the actor's IMDb page. And this ties into what you're saying about the previous film is that he was in the 2017 uh, Power Rangers remake. He was the Black Ranger in the Power Rangers. Are um, you serious? This is not a movie I've seen, but uh, he's in that, he, that two cool universes to be in Power Rangers and Mortal Kombat. Very cool. So I'll I'll close it out with my um, thief, which honestly was uh, the reptile, reptile man. Because again, this was a guy I didn't really recognize from previous from the the games, from my limited experience with them. I just thought this like I thought it was a tie in with Godzilla versus Kong. You know, they're both on HBO Max, and you get like baby Godzilla in here to make you start thinking about lizards who kick ass. And um, yeah, when he melted the blade with his with his mouth. That was that was pretty sick. I like that guy. It was super it was cool. cool. Yeah, that scene where he rips the he bites the blade out of his arm and then melts it with his reptile spit. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> I mean, it looked awesome. <laughs> it would be amazing if this followed the same path as like the Marvel universe, where each of these characters got their own movie because most of them could not sustain <laughs> their own movie at all. And I want to see what they try and do with that. Not even close. But I would one hundred percent be on board for a Scorpion movie. That dude is so awesome. Sub-Zero is cool, but Scorpion is Scorpion's incredible, man. I love Scorpion. I, I ride or die for Scorpion. It's crazy how they made the fire breath make so much sense in this where, you know, he had fire breath and he had a skull for a face in previous entries of the Mortal Kombat franchise. But his line where you thought I would be burned by the hellfire, but I learned to control it. And cool. he breathes the fucking fire and burns the skin off his mouth. That was amazing. And that's his in-game finisher, too, I think, was the fire. I don't remember the context for it, but he would do the skull thing. He would burn somebody to death. And so it was cool to see that. And yeah, you're right. It made complete sense for his character to be able to do that, too. I want to add one little beef with that final kill. This is the ultimate fatality of the movie, right? The big bad guy gets killed mm -hmm. and he just gets kind of burned to death. Like I was hoping he'd get burned and then like ripped in half with the chain or something. I wanted like one extra step of that final fatality to just really make me go, oh, snap. Yeah, yeah, in a scene where hearts are being ripped from chests and spines are being exposed by laser blasts to the, to the stomach, just somebody burning to death and CGI disappearing is not nearly as satisfying as, as I want. He couldn't have gotten his, his spine ripped out. We didn't get one spine ripped out. Yeah, saving it for the sequel, I guess. Yeah, they got a on lot to save note, for the sequel. On that note of saving it for the sequel... Let's get some uh, let's get some reckless speculation. We're wrapping things up here. So, uh, John, first, what do you think is going to happen in Mortal Kombat 2? Johnny Cage is played by Dane Cook, a return to form for the king. <laughs> and um, we see him in the, in his movie, Citizen Cage, which is like a gritty reboot of Citizen Kane. And then following this like theme of cinematic universes and pulling in every aspect and fan service, this expands to include not just Mortal Kombat, but the much zanier, much weirder, and 
way more sexual Soul Caliber video game series. <laughs> um, so you get all of those guys. You get Yoshimitsu. You get Voldo, the like uh, Edward Scissorhands uh, breakdancing pervert, and uh, they're all in this movie too. I love it. That's what I want to see. I buy a ticket. I think it's great. I think whatever the sequel is, we they they owe us a sequel. It's got to be this tournament. We definitely need to see actual Mortal Kombat. And I can't wait for actual Mortal Kombat. And yeah, maybe my biggest beef, I didn't mention, but no Johnny Cage in this movie, man. I love Johnny Cage. He was the best fighter in the 1995 movie. He had the best record. He was the man. He's the real hero our planet needed. And he's not even in this movie. So bringing in Johnny Cage, watching him win the tournament and saving the entire planet, I think, is is what's in store for us in this sequel. Maybe some sort of a tie into the Power Ranger movie universe that didn't get off the ground. Uh, I think that's the way to go. I'd like to say Marvel could buy this franchise, but I think it's more likely that it gets absorbed by like Saban films or whatever that is the Power Rangers. And we get a tournament where like the Red Ranger is also involved in Mortal Kombat and <laughs> fighting to defend our planet. Look, that man, I couldn't sick. agree with you more. I think we're definitely getting Johnny Cage. You know, we saw the poster in the background, but I think this based on the pose of Johnny Cage in the background, that looked like a quintessentially The Rock pose from when he was a wrestler. I think they're trying to get The Rock as Johnny Cage. Ooh. That's exactly what I thought Big the first time I saw him. I also think, I think you're on the right track with the multiverse thing. Everybody's loving a multiverse right now. But if we're bringing in people from multiverse, why not tie directly in to another video game multiverse franchise? Bring in Wreck-It Ralph. Do it, you cowards. <laughs> there you go. John C. Riley's not working. Bring him in. <laughs> I'd love to see John C. Riley playing an animatronic like Goro in 1995 version of Wreck-It Ralph that also enters the Mortal Kombat tournament to defend our planet. I think this is great. This definitely has legs. If you have a tournament with all of like the D-list franchise that we have, <laughs> franchises we have out there, oof, you got something. If Goro did not have the face of an orc but had the face of John C. Riley, that character is immediately <laughs> saved for me. 100%. 100%. That is Mortal Kombat 2021. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you had a good time. I know we did. Tim, you got anything to plug? I'm just going to plug the network, man. Mess Around Media Network. Uh, our podcast is on it. Also got another podcast, Come At Me Show, where I give life advice, answer listener questions, send them in. John, if you got any questions for me, I'll answer them on the show. Well, Tim, I will be mailing in. I do have a lot of questions about life, a lot of things to figure out, so I will be asking you. As for my plugs, um, I will be resuming competitive fencing sometime in the next month. I'm going to start training at the dojo again, Brooklyn Bridge Fencing Club. Um, if anyone wants to challenge me to a fencing duel in the foil discipline. I will take you on. I will beat you. I will embarrass you in front of your parents because they probably need to drive you to the tournament because you're probably a teenager. <laughs> so come at me, show listeners, in a fencing duel, and I will uh, use you on my path to growth and becoming a veteran over 70 champion. That's my fencing goal. I don't, I'm not trying to make the Olympics. I'm trying to compete in the over 70 World Cup in 40 years. And <laughs> every day is a step towards that aim. <laughs> Whether Got you're it. training or not. Kevin, plugs my dude. Yeah, let's see. So uh, I am going to be doing a load of laundry tomorrow at the Best Today laundromat. 
at the corner of 31st Ave and 49th Street in Astoria. I actually did laundry the past couple of days, but today when I did it, some of the items fell onto the ground. The no. floor is very dirty there, so Ugh. I'm going to have to rewash those. So uh, probably going to be doing that around like 1 or 2 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, if you want to check that out by the time this podcast airs, it will be too late. So, uh, I'm sorry that you missed that. John, thank you so much for being here with us today, man. It's been a pleasure. This, this was, was so fun. And I would probably have not watched this movie otherwise. And I'm glad I had an excuse <laughs> to. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening. Bye everybody. Bye.